But the actual reality is that this is American Brews and Tunes. Here's a theme song, you know it's not a mean song. It's a good song, just as it should song. American Brews and Tunes. Shibbity-beeby-dow! Wow, thanks again for joining us for another special episode of American Brews and Tunes. Boy, oh boy, is it a special one. My name is Steven Johnston. And my name is Jesse Titus. And this is episode number 33. What? And with every other number that's a repeating number, such as, well, I think we skipped 11. Yeah, we skipped 11. But we uh, did it for 22. 22. We're doing it for 33. 33. We'll do it for 44, I'm sure. Yeah. Maybe 55, even. Maybe. We'll see if we get that far. Maybe. Um, but since it's a repeating number episode, we're going to repeat old bands that we've done. So for bands that we've reviewed albums for in the past, we'll review different albums from those same bands. This uh, past two weeks, I've been listening to The Port of Morrow by The Shins. And as you all remember, on the second episode, Jesse had me review Shoots Too Narrow by The Shins. Yes, exactly. And I've been listening to The War on Errorism by the band No Effects. Mm-hmm. And the last album that Steve recommended to me was Punk and Drublick by No Effects as well. Yeah. So we're revisiting both bands, you know, see how those albums hold up to the other ones or if they're yeah. better or worse, or if they're right on par, or if they're not comparable. We'll just yeah. call it like we see it, however <laughs> it may be. We'll, we'll, we'll call it like we see it. We'll let exactly. the dominoes fall, as Rancid would say. Uh, let the cookie crumble. We'll let the cookie crumble. We'll eat the cookie. Yeah, we'll uh, let the cookie crumble and then pick up the pieces, kind of make a little nice ball out of them. Or, or what? We'll get those, those pre-made uh, sugar cookie dough things where it's like the holiday edition. Okay. And undercook them severely so that they're all doughy and then scarf them down. <laughs> that doesn't have anything to do with the cookie crumble. I know, but when we start talking about cookies, that's where my mind went. Mmm. So that they're so, like, oh undercooked gosh. that you, they leave, like, all these greasy stains in your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but they're well, not, so good. They're not stains. They just leave a bunch of grease all over your hand. Yeah. Yeah. But they're so delicious that way. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, any, man. Any cookie is good that way. It's true. Except for a gross cookie. <laughs> <laughs> a gross cookie is bad anyway. Yeah, I know. But I, I had to make that uh, distinction just for you guys. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, we will come back to the albums as per usual. As per uh, usual. And we're going to go talk about our brewskis this this week yeah um we got i would say that we've got some pretty good ones this week it would appear that we do Wouldn't i mean you? we haven't tried them yet so we couldn't say for sure but based on the breweries and based on the type of beer inside of each of our, our brews i say it's probably a safe bet i would say that we are in for an interesting por- beer portion <laughs> <laughs> okay um right. so my beer uh i'm very interested to try this beer um, it is from Mick Eller. You mean as, Mick Keller. I think it's just Mick Eller, but there's there's two there's two, there. there are two Ks, though. And what country is that from? Um, I believe it's from Belgium. It says product of Belgium. There you go. So, And the interesting thing about this beer, I'll, you want to know? 
Yeah, I want to know. Okay. Um, it is... <laughs> I really want to know. Okay. It is an American-style barley wine ale. Interesting. So, so it's a foreign be... beer doing an American style. Exactly. So it'll be, it'll be very interesting to see their take on the barley wine style. I'm curious. Which apparently, I guess, was made popular in America because well, it's an American style, or maybe they have their own maybe American style of barley wine. Because I think I've, I've also heard of like American strong ales and other things. So maybe well, maybe there's just barley wine, but then America American breweries brew it a certain way. What is your beer called? Big bad crossed out worse. So it looks like it's it's big bad worse, but the bad is scratched out. So I don't really know who this is. It's some. It's some. It's so, the picture on Jesse's beer. That's who he's referring to. If you uh, if you know the Mikeller brand, you'll know that there are like these really kind of strange looking animated people that they have on them. Cartoons, though. Cartoons, I would say yeah. Cartoons. I say cartoons. Obviously, cartoons. Yeah. Um. So there's that guy, kind of looking weird, like angry, and then there's another guy who I assume is someone who maybe people know. It almost looks like a uh, a mug show. What are they, like a wanted poster almost. That's what yeah, kind of like a. Oh, kind of like the big, the bad, and the ugly. This is big, bad, worse. Bad, bad crossed out. Good, the bad, and the ugly? But it's the big, the bad, and the worse. Yeah, that, that's actually the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, you're right. So that's what you're having this yeah, week. Yeah, I'm um, fairly excited. Uh, yeah. I'm having a, a local brew this week. Oh, yes, From a Nashville brewery that we both enjoy uh, called Southern Grist. Southern Grist. And we actually didn't really know much about Southern Grist until last Black Friday... We True. went to our one of our favorite tap rooms, oh, it was that uh, long Craft ago. Brewed, yeah. to get the ever elusive Bourbon County brand stout from Goose Island. It's only released Black Friday, and so we went at like six in the morning to stand in line, and we yes. got there. We were second and third in line. Yep. And everyone that came, like the the people, the guy before us, and like the ten people after us, when they would come in, they're like, "Oh, you go into the Southern Grist bottle release?" And we're like, huh? "What is that?" Yeah. And so many people asked us. We're like, "We might as well check it out. It's probably a big deal." So we went and we bought this bottle of what they have. This there's vanilla stout called the Vanillionaire, and it was Vanillionaire. It was so good. It was very very good. Um, so I, I, w- I was back there pretty recently, and I got a crowler for myself of a brew called the Loud Loud Whispers, and it's a double dry hopped pale ale. The Loud Whispers. Okay. The Loud Whispers. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm kind of curious. Kind about of this. an ironic name, huh? Yeah, it seems like their style of beer is usually like big, bold stouts or a lot of New England style IPAs. Mm-hmm. So it's it should be good. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I I'll say I have not had a bad beer from them. I'm pretty sure I could say the same. Yeah. But let's say we uh, crack these brewskis and see what's what's up with it. Yeah. Um, I have a can, like I said, and you've got a a bottle. So got a bottle. Oh, just an interesting fact, real quick. Uh, the expiration date is in the European way, uh, where they say the day first, the month, and then the year. So uh, the expiration date is 7, 12, 17, 12, 19. So that's December 17th, 2019. So I don't know. I found that interesting. I don't know if you found it interesting, Steve. Is that interesting about the date, or is that how it should be since it's a foreign beer? Well, I have poured my beer successfully into my Das Boot... <laughs> That's what I'm using this week. Oh yeah, you got that from Craft Brizzy. Yeah, from Oktoberfest. I just wanted to use it for funsies. And mine's pretty darn cloudy, like a New England style mine IPA. Is cloudy. Even though it is a pale ale per se. So mine is how I thought it would look. It's a nice dark brown. Yeah, which makes sense. 
which is normally what barley wines look like. Would you call this a New England style pale ale, perhaps? Is it a pale ale? Yeah, it's a pale. It's not an IPA. It's a pale ale. Double dry so. hopped pale ale. I suppose it would be technically be a New England style pale ale. Uh, it's it's got the the smell of of what you'd expect from hops. It's but it's really crisp and light. The smell. Yeah. It's, it's very faint, but it smells very hmm. floral and nice. Well, I'm about ready to give this a try. How's your smell though? Is there a smell? Yeah, it smells like a barley wine. A little mm. bit less. Uh, well, what's intense. a barley wine smell like? That I don't know what that means. You'll know what I mean. Give it a little, give it a little snifferoo. Yeah, it does. It smells like booze and uh, smells like booze and the dark and dark, dark fruits. Dark fruits, uh, really oaty and and barley. Bready. Yeah, bready. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a good word for it. Bready. Uh, without further ado, why do we not give these these beers these types of beers, both of them in glasses, the little clinker clinker dink and uh, magic word, and then we'll try them. Or in so many words, let's clink our glasses and try our beers. Okay. Here we go. Good. Mmm. <laughs> Mine does taste like what I, I would expect a New England style IPA to taste like, but scaled back for sure. Um, it's crisp. Ooh. But it almost has like a like a a creaminess to it. Hmm. I don't think it's got any lactose sugars in it, but I think it has an a, a odd creaminess to it that I quite like. Very drinkable. Nice. I like this a lot for being a double dry hopped uh, pale ale. Delicious. Um, well, we'll have to do a little switcheroo here in, in, a, in a second. Um, this beer is pretty darn good. My beer, anyway. It has that typical type of barley wine flavor. Um, the booziness that you normally get with a barley wine is a little bit scaled back at the beginning of your drink um but then the booziness builds into like a really nice sweet kind of slightly tart way tart intro oh, yeah it's not like whenever i say tart don't take it as sour don't take it as sour yeah more like dark fruit tart yeah more like it's like a sweet tartness it's a good tartness like it's it's not it's not sour at all that sounds interesting but it's uh it's very bready um, but again, the booze, the taste of the booze, the booziness, mm-hmm. as some people call it. The booziness. The booziness <laughs> kind of builds slowly in your mouth. Okay. So the, the flavor profile starts off kind of simple and then kind of um, as if you were watching a, a video, a time-lapse video of a flower blooming. Interesting. The fla- that's how the flavors go? It does that I'm assuming in your mouth. as your beer warms up, the way that the flavors transform like that is going to be very different. I think the booze yeah. might come a little bit more up front. Man, this is really interesting. Um, I did look up my beer, the style, okay. and they say it's a double dry hopped New England style pale ale, just wow, as I suspected. Just as you suspected. Am I smart or what? Very curious. Let's do a switch ski and see what we say. All right. Um, sounds good. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Which? Okay, here we go. All right, here's the switch ski. And here's the tri-ski. Oh my, I, I know what you're talking about with this beer. Yeah. Wow, that's good. It's very good, isn't it? There's a, a strange lingering bitterness that only hits you at the very end, though. Yeah. But you were right about the, the growth of the booziness, and it's so bready, and there's that slight non-sour, t- like, fruity tartness to it. Wow, after having um, that my beer, very your different. beer is uh, still tasty. Like It has a really nice, um, I would say kind of like a... Almost like a grapefruity citrus. 
It's kind of bitter, but maybe that's I say it's, I, maybe it, that's this beer playing off of that. Though. I would say so because I, I don't think this is as bitter as like that that grapefruit um, Molotov cocktail surprise. All I can taste is grapefruit in that. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. So our beers, I, I think, are, are pretty good choices this week. If our tastes change over the course of the episode, we will let you know, and of course, we'll give you a final review before we sign off. Now, what say you that we move on to the music? What say me? Yeah, what say I you? I say, let's do it. All right, I'll let you go first this week, because I think I've gone first uh, pretty recently. Okay. Um, I will definitely go first this week. Uh, so I am going to be talking about the war on errorism. Not terrorism. By the band No Effects. Errorism. Uh, but it's definitely a... Uh, they are a pretty political band, so they're obviously taking the play on the word the war on terrorism terrorism but on the front is a clownish cartoon picture of george bush george w bush yeah so they're saying he has made some errors i suppose yes well actually i would I mean they're saying that as well but they're saying more with that title as well oh yeah a lot um, of stuff um but that just made i'll me, let you get into it with that the, made um, me think of uh the master of disguise <laughs> whenever you said george whenever i said george, george w. w i'm george w bush Folks around here call me King George. Folks around here call me King George. <laughs> What's he say? You can call me. No, yeah, he says, but you can call me King George. But you can call me King George. <laughs> so, so ridiculous. Oh, anyway. Devlin Bowman, he laid a stinky one. <laughs> Oops! <laughs> you remember that part when uh, Devlin, Devlin Bowman is laughing? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I love that movie. No matter how many oh, times... Oh, Mama's cannoli. No matter how many times they do that, you that bit in that movie, it's always funny. my sister. <laughs> no, I am your grandfather. Your yes. grandfather. I was going to say that the next. <laughs> I love so that movie. ridiculous. That's how I get my Italian accent. That and, Ma- and yeah. Mario. That and Mario, yeah. But why don't you delve into anyway. this, this album? Anyway, I'm going to... Yeah, I'll delve in. I'll, uh, I'll dive right in here with track number one. The, the track number one is called The Separation of Church and Skate. Skate. Not, Not state. state. Skate. Uh, I think this is a pretty great opener. Um, I gave it four to five. I didn't recommend it. Uh, but it does kind of set up the whole album. Well, it sets up a couple of the other songs later in the album. Mm-hmm. Um, and the basic message of this is the question, when did punk rock become so safe? Mm-hmm. Is, is basically what it is. Uh, because... For those of you who don't know about the 80s punk scene, which we'll get into in a later song, mm-hmm. uh, it was very violent, and uh, there were, like, gangs, and... You would get beat up if you weren't ready. If you weren't in a part of the right gang, or if you didn't, the, one of the, the first if you didn't lyric, look a certain way. The first lyric is about being at a punk show, and they say, lost in a sea of combat boots, mm-hmm. which all the punk punks used to wear. Yeah, but the, uh, the, the very beginning of the song, there's, like, a weird spoken part where this, this like, dad's like, hey, kids... What do you want to do today? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> and then they're like, then the dad's like, do you want to go to the matinee? No. And the kids are like, no. And then he's like, do you want to go to the amusement park? No. And then he says, do you want to go to the punk rock show? Yeah, let's go to the punk rock show. Yeah. yeah. So, so it seems like what they're saying is like, it's become even, family friendly. Yeah, even like kids can come to a punk rock show mm-hmm. now. Or like little children and, you know. Um, but anyway, so that, that song kind of sets up a couple of other songs later in the album, so I'll come back to that song eventually. Uh, but track number two 
is called The Irrationality of Rationality. And I gave this song four to five. And it seems like it's kind of like about the, the weirdness of life and how different people's situations, um, they like rationalize to uh, um, their decisions to like ease their conscious in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good one, but it's not, it wasn't good. my favorite ever. It's good, but uh, uh, there are better songs though. Agreed. So on to one of those better songs, track number three. Franco on American. And what? There's a synthesizer in this song? Truth. So crazy. Yeah, the keyboards kind of threw me off the first time I heard them too. Yeah, it was, uh, it's pretty crazy. Whenever I first listened to it, I was like, huh? That's insane. Uh, it's very, very, very catchy. It's not like a fast speed punk song like most of their stuff. No, not at all. Uh, which I kind of really like. Yeah, it's a good change of pace. Yeah. Um, and this is basically a song about who ignorant Americans can be. Yeah. Is essentially what it is. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, one of the lyrics is, let the whales worry about the pollution in the ocean. Or... The poisons in the sea. Yeah, that's... Outside of California, it's foreign policy. policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's uh, the great line at the end, or a great couple of lines, where they talk about wanting to go up... Want to move north and be a Canadian, Canadian or hang down low with the nice Australians. I don't want to be another I don't care again. What are we going to do, Franco? Franco on American. That's a, um, a really good song. Yeah, it's a super, super catchy song. And I would say that it's probably one of the best on the album, in my opinion. So, so yeah, I would say Separation of Church and Skate is one of the best on the album. <laughs> I still that guitar part. Mm-hmm. And the, I know you didn't talk about the outro, but the outro is such a rager at the end of yeah. Separation Church and Scape. Yeah, but you know I mostly go for lyrics sometimes. Yeah, I know. Not all the time, but most of the times. Fair enough. Um, my next recommendation is track number four. Oh, cool. It's yeah. called the. Uh, it's called Idiots Are Taking Over. I this is the one that starts off with that bass line. Yeah, yeah. It can't do it. And it's uh, it's proof that Fat Mike is a good bassist. He's he's. He's a very good bass player. Very, very good bass player. And if you don't think so, listen to their 18-minute-long magnum opus, The Decline. Yeah. There's some yeah. really cool bass lines in there. and I've seen him do it live, and he can play the, the really kind of crazy bass parts and say at the same time. Yeah, that's that always surprises me. Yeah, he's really he's, he's good. Um, you don't really think about that. I would recommend... I mean, how I would recommend... I would say that this, this song is basically a lament for the future of society. Oh, yeah, it makes sense. Is pretty Obviously much the idiots is. are taking over. Yeah. Uh, some of the lyrics are, idiots keep breeding. Uh, Darwin's rolling over in his coffin. And then my favorite line is when he says, I'm starting to feel a lot like Charlton Heston stranded on a primate planet. <laughs> like the end of Planet of the Apes. <laughs> yeah. You maniacs! <laughs> <laughs> so, it's kind of, kind of like an interesting... Uh, um, an, inter- an inter- interesting topic because like I can definitely see his point in the song. It's kind of a cynical point of view to take. Yeah. But, or maybe he would say it's a more realistic point of view to take. Yeah. I don't know. Depends. But either way, it's a good song. So on to a more lighthearted song. Uh, track number five is called She's Nubs. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, Nubs is a is a person who has no arms or legs. 
who comes to their punk rock shows a lot. And uh, the beginning of... What, how does the beginning of a song go again? Um, something about, it's not easy to wear high heels... Or slip, or slip on, on banana, banana peels. How does she get in and out of clothes? No, uh, something about tubs. 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 I hope she thinks this song is bad. I hope she thinks this song is good, not, not bad. Because we think that she's totally rad, she's nubs. And it, it is based on a real person, uh, a, a girl who was born without, I don't know if she was born without arms or legs, or if she had some complication that needed ampl- uh, um, amputation. amputation. Um, but she's got nubs for arms, and she's, she's got a lot of challenges. Yeah. Um, but she's, I think she's got like a, a pretty strong social media presence, and she goes to a lot of punk rock shows, and she's friends with a lot of people in bands. Um, so they wrote the song in homage to her. Yeah, it's a, a very, very cool song. Yeah, it's a fun song, too. About one of their fans. One of their biggest fans. Yeah. So it's a, it's a good song. Definitely check it out. I almost gave it an honorable mention, but alas, I did not. Okay. Alas. <coughs> oh! <laughs> don't choke. Almost choked on my Alas, beer. don't choke on your beer, sir. <laughs> anyway, on to track number six, which is called Mattersville. I gave the song 3.5 out of 5. Oh, I like this song a lot. It's a, so, so do I, but... It's about punk rockers getting old. And, like, where they live. Mm-hmm. Like Moving into a... Like, it's like a, a retirement village for punk rock people. Yeah. At the end of my cul-de-sac, Davey Havoc's house is painted black. Yeah. <laughs> do you know who Davey Havoc is? Mm-mm. He's the lead singer for me. Uh, AFI. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> the guy, all gothy and whatnot. Oh my god! Don't they talk about like pulling shuffleboard and all kind of. They talk about beer and uh, cheese. Where they're like, we sh- like they want to play some like really cool rad game, but they're like, we're just playing shuffleboard though. Yeah, it's, it's a fun song though. It is a fun song. Mm-hmm. Uh, not my favorite, but it still is pretty good though. Uh, the next song is uh, Decomposer, it's and fun. they spell it decom dash poser, like a poser in the scene. Yeah, so it seems like. This song is basically just about a woman with no substance, is essentially what it's about. Probably. I think. I gave it 3.5 out of 5 and did not recommend it. This one was never my favorite. I usually would skip it. Yeah. Um, the I, next song, track number 8, is called Medio Core. I actually quite like this one a lot. Same here. It's a big change of pace. Yep. I gave it 4 to 5 and it's an honorable mention. Sing. Sing a song. That's it. <laughs> da, da, da. So all the kids can sing along. Sing along. Sing, sing along. along. Sing along. But it's got a couple different dun, vibes dun, 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 almost throughout dun, different parts dun, dun, of the song. Dun, dun. Yeah, the beginning one where it's like, there's it's like more piano driven uh-huh. reminds me of a Ben Fold song. And then that middle part almost sounds like a show tune. Yeah. And then it gets to like a heavy dredging song. Uh, so I'll I'll say what the song's about. Then. Yeah, go for it. Um, Sorry. It's it's basically. Um, a song about how a lot of bands are starting to sound the same and how it's becoming like really, really boring to listen to newer music and and bands that just sound the same in general. Uh, Steve just got to the, the portion of his beer uh, where if you guys have seen um, Beer Fest, the, the DOS boot... The, like actual, a, the boot portion yeah. will give you a bubble that if you're not careful, it will... Beer will get all over you. Yeah, and so he was just like playing around with it and making a weird noise. <laughs> like, like that. Hold on. See if you can hear this, everyone. <laughs> that was my beer. So, <laughs> he was doing that and it was distracting me, so I had to 
Sowie. I had to mention it. Um, anyway, but all these people, the bands are sounding the same and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, and this uh, getting people to sing along just for the, just for the the plays or just for whatever, yeah. whatever reason. Uh, and I guess that is kind of in line with like the war on the um, title of the album, Errorism. Mm-hmm. You know, like that seemed like they're saying that they don't believe that's what people should be doing in the music scene. Yeah. Um, and this song does sound very different from the rest of it does their album. They've got a lot of different sounding songs on this album, which... Which is like the next one as it's well. like the next one, yeah. Uh, track number nine is called Anarchy Camp, and it, it I gave it four to five. Uh, did not recommend it, and it, it's not an honorable mention either. Um, but there's a saxophone in it. Yes, there is. It's like a really bouncy ska song. It's it's literally just a witty goofy song about an anarchy camp to learn anarchy like you go to camp Which, to be I mean, an anarchist. There's not like a that having it's just a goofy. camp for anarchy goes against what anarchy is, right? It's just yeah, it's just a goofy fun song. Mm-hmm. But the next invitation song, to anarchy camp. Uh, the next song is their return back to punk rock. Yeah, like the first like punk rock song in a while. It seems like yeah. After like, like if you're listening to this album straight through. Even those two songs where they're not like punk rock seems like a long time without hearing No Effects play like a punk, a quote punk unquote rock. punk rock song. A fast song, we'll say. Yeah. Um, and that is track number 10. I gave it four to five, and it's called American Errorist. Uh, so this is kind of uh, what the, I would say like the title track, even though it's called The War on Errorism. But yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, it's, it's mostly like that, that, I would say that, anyway. I like the first lyric. What is it? I can't it's remember. It's okay. Allow yourself a little hate. Oh, yeah, Hatred yeah, yeah. is not too bad when directed at an injustice. Yeah. And then they say, it's okay to... Um, you can turn the other cheek. Just don't, just turn, don't the turn, turn the other... Just don't turn away. Yeah. yeah. I like that. So, that those two lines kind of sum up the purpose of the song. Like, uh, it's about standing up for what you believe in, basically. And not, like, being a complacent mannequin. Yeah, agreed. Or whatever. I agree. Um, so, I, I think it's really good. I gave it four to five. I did not recommend it, though. Fair enough. So, that leads us to track number 11, which I'm going to let you explain, because you asked me earlier if I knew what the title meant, and I was like, nope, and I also don't really know what the lyrics mean. So, the song is called, We Got Two Jealous Agains. All right. I gave it four to five. So, I'll tell you that... Uh, Jealous Again is an album by Black Flag. Okay. Uh, so, uh, do you know who Aaron Burkett is? Um, the name sounds familiar. It, it's Fat Mike's ex-wife. Oh, at, at the okay. time of this album, they were married, uh, and she was also an avid punk rock listener. She co-founded Fat Records with Fat Mike, and they still co-run, even though they're divorced now. Uh, so when they got married, they merged their record collections, and they had two oh. Jealous Agains. Oh, and so okay. throughout the song, they, they say, we got two jealous agains, we got two whatever, whatever. And it's like all these, like the, the things that they care about the most in the world, they, they had like had this shared interest, and now they, they can share it together and have two of each or whatever. Okay. So it's a kind of a cool song when you know that. Yeah. But after their divorce on uh, their album entitled, Sel- I think it was called Self-Entitled, they had mm-hmm. a song called, I Got One Jealous Again Again. Oh no! And it's about dividing everything. She's like, she got the house, but I got one jealous. I got my jealous record collection or something like that. Huh. It's kind of a bummer, but it's it, it, it's a nice tie-in, I guess. Yeah. If you're following No Effects' career. Yeah. 
So it's it's just a cool song when you know that. And if you listen to this uh, this song, they reference a lot of uh, seminal punk rock records. Mm-hmm. A lot of influential mm-hmm. stuff. Very cool. Well, you said more than I could ever say about that song. That's just because I've, I've listened to it a long time and I know. Yeah. Uh, on to the next track, which is track number 12, is called 13 Stitches. Um, and this is the song that I said would kind of tie into the first song, the first track, um, uh, The Separation of Church and Skate, mm-hmm. where they're talking about when did punk rock become so safe. Yeah. And this song is kind of like a punk rock history, his, almost. Maybe his personal history? His personal punk rock very history. Very storytelling, as far as yeah. that mic goes. Like how he... That's actually very true. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, how he got into punk rock, basically. Yeah. He talks about, The first time I saw the Descendants, mm-hmm. they were the fastest man I'd ever seen. Something like that. And each verse is a different uh, memorable like moment in his life, in, like discovering punk rock. Yeah. So... Um, that's enough for me to give it 4.5 out of 5 and an honorable, honorable mention. The production's interesting on this song. Yeah, it's like really It's not like weird if, if you flat. watch a movie and you hear someone listening to a radio in the movie, you yeah. know how it's, it all sounds kind of muffled? That's how the, the music sounds on this, but his vocals are really clear. It's, it's, yeah. kind of, it's, it's an odd production's choice. It's kind of cool, though. It I is like cool. it. I love to play a song on acoustic. This is one of my favorite like songs to cover. Oh, really? Yeah. It's dope, yo. It's dope, yo. <laughs> No, it's, it's a really cool song to play. That's one of those phrases that you've been saying recently. Yeah, that's all right. You go through weird phases where you say things. Dystopia. Up in the hizzy. Yeah, don't say that. I'll start saying it again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so that song is good. I would say check it out for sure. On to track number 13, which is called Regaining Unconsciousness. Huh? Play on words. Weird. Classic no effects. Yeah. Uh, I guess on 3.5 out of 5. It's pretty good, but meh. Continue to be complacent, <clears throat> yeah, politically or, or socially. Re-becoming a drone or a zombie is what I would say. They they released um, this song as a single, and if you look at the artwork, it looks like like a bunch of zombies walking around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one line that I like from it, uh, I'll kind of paraphrase it a little bit. Uh, they say, "Looks like witches are in season. You better fly your flag and be aware. Diversity is now our biggest fear." Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I would say that line kind of says it all. Like, so enough for me. Get, get back in line and do what is expected, like the cultural norm, bro. Be a mindless zombie. Be a mindless zombie. Yahoo! <laughs> well, zombies don't say that. No, they, they say, don't. Uh, they say, uh, uh, Yahoo! <laughs> Actually, a zombie Yahoo bag is. goodness that's too funny do zombies poop um no well they eat like if they're constantly like eating on flesh like people where does it like where does it go what happens well the question that you should ask before you ask that question is are they hungry are they hungry or are they just like it all depends on what zombies you're talking about because there's like the zombies mm. from Last Man on Earth, or there's the zombies from like the Resident Evil series. We'll say like the same Raccoon thing that you find in Resident Evil or Walking Dead. Let's just say close. Okay, to Okay, so two. like a virus hit them. Yeah. Okay, because that's the only really logic or like plausible way that zombies could actually exist. Unless you're talking about let's like the rabies thing from Twenty Eight Days Later, but we won't go there. Yeah. Well, let's be honest though. Like the Resident Evil, the first one in Raccoon City, 
is the most believable. Yeah. In my so let's opinion. say that. Like your stereotypical zombie, let's go with that. Okay. The one that is most common, we'll say that. So They're hungry because they, they're undead, they're dead, undead, I guess. Yeah. And their brain is no longer capable of rationale. So yeah. they're, they go back to the basic function, which is walk around and eat to keep walking around, right? And But for some reason, they're attracted to living things. Yeah, I don't really understand so why. So why is that? Who knows? I don't know. So if you got maybe they, it's just that they're aggressive. If they eat, it's got to go somewhere. Yeah, I would think that they they must poop, right? But if they're because if they're if they've got enough motor skills and functionality to move their to muscles, like grab, then you'd think their chew. digestion system would still work. True, but I mean, then they're they're the zombies that have like their stomachs cut out. And then they're just like eating and it's plopping through their stomach. Well, yeah, but the the zombies that don't so, have their stomachs cut out, it would still that continue. would that would prove that it would continue. Yeah, that it would that everything would still be functioning. So, we've just concluded so, on American Brews and Tunes that zombies poop. You heard it here. You heard it first, everybody. Zombies poop. <laughs> I wonder if people debate that a lot. Probably. Um, I suppose and it I'm does sure, depend on what kind of zombie you're talking about. I suppose. I'm sure. Yeah, it definitely does. I'm yeah. sure there are people out there who would say that they do not poop, and that. We, we can argue with people, but if you want to argue with us, uh, hit us up on social media at American Brews and Tunes. Uh, but going on this funny debatable tangent thing, mm-hmm. I heard a funny one on Cheers. On Cheers? Believe it or not. You were, oh yeah, you're watching and they Cheers were, right now, right? These two guys were, were like having their philosophical debate. If a tree falls in a forest, does anyone hear it? And yeah. do you, you remember Coach from the first like two seasons? Or you know, it doesn't make a sound, you mean? Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm sorry. Uh, but you remember Coach, the bartender from the first couple seasons? I've never seen it. Oh, well, he's this old guy who's kind of a little senile, but they play at his senility. Senility? They play up (laughs) him being senile (laughs) for the TV show. Yeah. Um, And I think he actually passed away in real life, so he wasn't in later seasons. Okay. Uh, So they ask him, and he's like, like, well, if no one was there to hear it, then how do they know if the tree fell? (laughs) (laughs) So it's hilarious. Opens up a whole other uh, debate, (laughs) which is true. The people are like, like oh my goodness that's true he's so smart but he's, he he was like just like serious like he's like i have no idea like how do you know it felt because i have no idea <laughs> also like he uh, thought yeah. he thought he thought they were having like a serious discussion about yeah, this he didn't think they were being philosophical he, he thought that's they were hilarious being, it, it, he was he's a funny character that's pretty funny uh but back to no effects we that was a really that wasn't even a grass that was a, a digress that was a tangent that was that was definitely a tangent yeah um anyway um back to track number 14 and it is uh, my last recommendation, and it's called Whoops, I OD'd. And maybe one um, of the most different songs on the album. It definitely is, and probably one of the most unique okay. NoFX songs that I've ever heard. Yeah. I would say. Uh, both in the music and also in the lyrical content. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a song that has only uh, Fat Mike playing bass and only his voice. And he's playing bass chords, too. Bass chords, mm-hmm. yep. And it, it sound it sounds so galder and catchy too. The bass it really chords. is. There's almost a chord melody going on where he's he's yeah. playing chords, but but one of the the lines is moving, so it sounds like he's playing melody at the same time. Yeah, it's a it's really cool. It's sounding. super super cool. Um, and it seems like this song is Fat Mike writing his own eulogy, or from the point of anyone who OD'd. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, he's. He's he's written other songs about people who've OD'd on on the album that came out after this, which was their album called Wolves in Wolves Clothing. Mm-hmm, that's the yellow one, right? Yeah, they've got a yeah. song called Doornails, and it's about uh, a lot of people in the punk rock community who have either committed suicide or OD'd. Uh, the mm-hmm. drummer from the the, the for, for, whole first verse is about the uh, original drummer from Lagwagon. 
Because um, he OD'd, right? He's like, these two shots are for Derek. And he talks about uh, the song Rifle. You remember the drums? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's, he's talking yeah. about that. Um, but he's, he's obviously he's had some personal experience of people ODing and, and, yeah. and, and passing on. So I think that's um, what it's about. Sounds, it it so sounds pretty. It seems, I would say personal. that you're. I would say that you're right. It's more about other people ODing and not but, himself. But he writes it from the perspective um, of being the one who ODs. Yeah. Um, but then there's one line that that I really like, uh, where he says, "I never feared consequences." Um, then something like, um, "I've always hated regret more than apologies." Um, so it seems like he's saying kind of giving his view on life in that one line like his view on like uh what's the one what's the one phrase um uh something like do now ask for forgiveness later something like that um it's better to ask for ask for forgiveness than ask for permission something like that something like that um, he said, which it, it seems like, like that's the way he lives his life. That quote, yeah, that quote seems like uh, live the full experiences, um, in, in, instead of having a regret and face the consequences later. Yeah, that's fat Mike. Like, don't even worry about the consequences right now. Who cares? Just go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of a it's a very interesting song, and the reason that it, the same thing just happened with his boot. <laughs> Beer's got all over your face. A yeah, bit. I, I was taking a sip of my beer in the boot bubble from my my Das Boot beer glass. The BB, the bubble from the toe came up and beer splashed me right in the face. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> oh, Das Boot, you got me again. <laughs> uh, but anyway, just like the movie, <laughs> just like the movie. But yeah, Fat Mike is uh, living for the uh, living for the now more than the later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All in all, what would you say about this album? I would say that I actually. Well, I'd have to go back and listen to Punk and Drublick again, but I think I like it better than Punk and Drublick. It's very different. Uh, when I recommended Punk and Drublick, I recommended it to you because it was probably their most popular and their biggest breakthrough album. Okay. Um, there are albums I like from No Effects better than both of these albums, actually, but I, they're, they're just the ones that I, I thought might be more important. Okay. Um, but anyways, um, shall we move on to The Shins? Yes, let's. All right, this is The Shins' 2012 album entitled... Port of Morrow. Port of Morrow. Now, it's their fourth album that they've released, but there was a five-year gap between this and their last album, which was yeah. Wincing the Night Away. Away, yep. Uh, in that time between albums, there were some pretty big things that happened. Uh, James Mercer formed and released the first album f- with Broken Bells. Yep. That one band. Yep. <laughs> I, know, I don't dislike them. Uh, they're fine. Um, and essentially, he fired the rest of the band from the shins. Really? Before going in to make this next record. Huh. Yeah. It was a complete personnel turnover. Wow. He's the only person that was on, like, a, a member of Shins from Winston Little Away to Port Tomorrow. Interesting. Uh, I did read that he had some of the original lineup members come in and play a couple things here and there, so maybe there's no bad blood. Uh, but yeah, I was, was going to say... All the, new members. Was there, like, a... Did they say a reason why? Uh, I think he or just did he was... he ever say? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe he just wanted to take it in, in a different direction or I something? think different direction, maybe. Because hmm. uh, uh, there was the the whole line of like best friends versus business partners versus musicians, and I think hmm. he maybe was having some trouble with that. But interesting. Um, but that's just me uh, guessing, guessing from a couple different small snippets of interviews that I read. Okay. Um, <clears throat> anyways, I'll just delve right into the first song, which is called "The Rifle Spiral." And just to throw it out there, I didn't give it ratings. Whoa! It's either recommended or not. Okay. 
Interesting. I gave this a recommendation. Oh. Um, I think it's quite an explosive way to start the album. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, the drums come in hard like a bang. Oh my gosh. Uh, the intro... Um, like the, the, the intros, like the music, at least not the drums, but like the actual music, the chords, um, it builds up, you know, like it, it builds up yeah. like something big is about to go off. Like something's going to boom or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And do you know what the song's about? No. Really? Uh-uh. Okay. Uh, the song's about coercing someone to be a suicide bomber. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, now do you get all my good references? Yes, I understand uh, now. It's really kind of dark, and you don't... Had I not read this straight from James Mercer, I, yeah. I probably wouldn't have picked up on it. Yeah, I, um, I didn't read like, straight from him, so... So he like he is very much on on record as saying that's what it's about. It's about trying to like get somebody to be a suicide bomber. Wow. Um, and when you look at the lyrics with that mindset, you can definitely pick out the the lyrics that that have that in yeah like that are trying to, to lead towards that. Yeah, and I can see that. It's really kind of dark and interesting. Yeah. Um. Isn't the first line "Dead lungs command something"? Dead lungs command something, and I think they're talking about like a religion, like saying people from the past, dead lungs, like the, yeah, the people yeah, who yeah. said that have commanded the this. The breath of the past. There are definitely, still... it, like, throughout the song, religious implications of huh. people who think they're doing it for religion. Interesting. Um, he also has implications about suicide bombers, about how it's senseless, because he, James uh, Mercer, isn't a religious person and thinks that. Yeah. Uh, so he's obviously saying it doesn't count for anything. It doesn't make any sense. And he also talks about... Uh, there's a couple times he talks about gray eyes, like, looking down in a mm-hmm. subway. And that's... I think he's referencing Americans, like, not really caring about it. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and how it's just commonplace now. But aside from what this song's about, musically, it's awesome. Yes, it uh, is. I think it's a great way to start the song. Like, the first time I heard this, I was like, this is great! This album's gonna be just as good as Shoots Too Narrow. Oh, yeah! Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah! Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! <laughs> um, but I recommended it. It's super good song. Uh, check it out. Um, moving on to song number two, which is called Simple Song. Mm. And it's my second recommendation. Nice. Uh, this was the first single that they pushed off of this album. What a great song. And I can completely understand why. Uh, it's so Galdern catchy. Um, I know that things can really get rough when you go it alone. And right off the bat, it's, it like comes in with, uh, this is just a simple song. And it's, it's super catchy. Yeah, and I've heard a couple people refer to this as like compared to their earlier productions on the past uh, three albums. This is more of like a stadium feel. I don't want to say mm. stadium rock, but like big production, mm. like something you could hear filling a stadium. And yeah, while I, I might not say that as my descriptor, I can see that. I can definitely see that. I wouldn't say that either. Um, I would say that this song, the way that this song sounds, is like the quintessential Shins sound. I'd agree. Uh, very poppy. For me, that's what it is. There's just the mel- just solely the, based it's on the James melody. Mercer melodies. Yeah, his melodies definitely. are very easy to pick out. Yeah. Also, his voice is easy to pick out. Sure. <laughs> um, um, and also, James Mercer is on record in saying, and this is a, a quote: uh, "This song is about his wife, their relationship, and the whole new life ahead of us." When I say us, I mean him and his wife. Yes. Um, uh, and this was written. Uh, he said it was written right after they got married and right before his daughter was born. So. Mm. Obviously, it's about the relationship and that whole journey of being in a family and, and starting yeah. everything together. That makes sense with some of the lyrics that are in there. And I, 
I also think that he's talking a little bit about how music is kind of taking a secondary place in his life. Hmm. Like, this is just a simple song. Like, yeah. Like, he's saying, like, music's great, It's but this is just a simple song. My focus is going to be this from now on. Hmm. Uh, I, th- I think that's what he's saying. That's that's my take. Um, but he's got some really cool things in this music. I, I really like the chorus when he's talking about how, like, you won't have to face the rough stuff alone. Yeah. Um, I know that things can really get rough when you go it alone. But he's he's going to be there every step of the Don't way. Don't go on thinking you gotta be tough and face it alone. Fun little piece of trivia. Uh, for those of you who watch the classic TV show, How I Met Your Mother, um, I don't know if you've got this far. Probably not. When they reveal the mother for the first time, this song is playing. Really? Yeah. <laughs> kind of interesting, huh? That's pretty funny, so that, yeah. uh I don't know how big the song was before that, but that was a very big... It was a very big part in the TV show. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, a lot of people watched because they knew it was leading up to this. Interesting. So um, obviously the shins were already popular, but this gives them a little bit more exposure and whatnot. Yeah. Moving on to song number three, which is my final recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> three up and three down. down. Three songs. Um, <laughs> the album's a little front-loaded, I'm going to say. The, the album sequenced very well, I but don't it's a agree. little front-loaded. I don't agree. That's but... fine. There's a, a, I got one honorable mention, and I'll, I'll get to that when I get to it. Okay. Um, track number three is called It's Only Life, uh, and this was the second single off the album, so yeah. they, they pushed this because they liked it for some reason or another. Um, well, and apparently say, you liked it as well. Well, I did, yes. I'd say this is the first slower song of the album. It's not really that slow. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely slower than the other ones. And I, I want to say it's a love story to his wife um, about letting her guard down and knowing that she can be safe when she's vulnerable with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote down this one lyric that I really liked. Um, I'm, I'm going to read this lyric, and then I'm going to read part of the chorus. So, okay. So here it goes. The one lyric is, Used to be such a lion... Before you got to all this crying on my lap. So yeah. this this girl was always tough until she was able to go and share her hardships and personal defeats with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's the, the lyrics from the chorus I really like. I've been down this very road you're walking now. It doesn't have to be so dark and lonesome. Takes a while, but we can figure this thing out and turn it back around. Yeah. Uh, so it's not the most deep lyrics, but it's, it's, it's nice lyrics. I really yeah. like it. It's uh, like sharing a tough journey with somebody. Yeah. I do want to say, however, that the the hook or like the melody in the chorus of this song reminds me of my favorite song on their most recent release, Heartworms. Okay. Entitled, uh, what, what's that song called? So now what? That's from Heartworms. Yes, that which is their most recent release. What do you remember that? that one? I had this crazy idea. Yeah. And uh, what is it? What is it in this song? On this song, it is. I've been down the only road you walking now. So it, it's not the same melody. It doesn't have to be but that, so. That dumb. interval and the jump is is very similar, and so it reminds me of that. Okay. But the good thing is, so now what is my favorite song on Heartworms? Really? Yes, I love that. That melody I is so this infectious. Crazy idea. And so I think the chorus in this song is super infectious. Okay. And it, it just interesting. Even though it's similar, I love them both. That's good reasoning. Yeah. For us to why you like this. And uh, those are my three recommendations. Uh, we'll move through the rest of the album. Decent, decent I'm, uh, I'm interested to see what your what your HM is, your honorable mention. Well, I'll cover up my paper so you can't read ahead. Yeah, please do. All right, so the next song is called Bait and Switch. Bait and Switch. 
Um, I went back and forth between recommending this or, uh, well, picking this as an honorable mention and what I actually picked, which okay. I'll tell you later. Um, the verses are, like, really bouncy and really catchy, mm-hmm. and they remind me of uh, Heartworms, the Shin's newest release, like yeah. that really fun Shin sound, yeah. really poppy. Uh, and I liked it a lot, but the, the choruses were kind of meh. Okay. Like, the verses, soup's awesome. Yeah, this was never... The chorus, soup's meh. This was never one of my favorites on the album. Like, uh, But it's still pretty good, though. Thematically, it's about, like, falling for a girl who's bad news. Yeah. Like, bait and switch. She does the bait and switch, yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on to song number five. It's called September. Do uh, you remember? <laughs> no, no, not that. <laughs> do, do, do in September. All right. <laughs> Quit playing with those elements, my man. Um, this this is a, another slow song. After like, the last one was a fast one. This is a slow one. Um, I, I I read the songs about his wife, like a love poem to his wife. Yeah. Um, I couldn't really pick up all. Like I could tell it was a love story, but I couldn't really tell it was for his wife in particular. Uh, and his lyrics are hard to interpret sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So I just read that it was it was to his wife, but the song really doesn't do much for me. Okay. Um, on to song number six, which is called No Way Down. This song had a really weird intro that did not sound like a Shin song. I love this song. I think it's good, but that, like, when I listened to the intro, I was like, this doesn't, this reminds me of, like, a top 40 song, not a Shin song. Huh. Uh, whenever you get well, a chance, you... listen to the intro by itself and don't listen to anything else. Okay. I was going to say, but then you get into the rest of the song. Yeah, like, I'm not okay, talking about the Shins. rest of the song, though. When they get into the lyrics, it's definitely Shin's. Uh, this I is was... a political song. Yes, it is. It's very political, and it's about. Uh, wealth, is financial no corruption. Way down. I think he talks about like the sun rays only being collected by a couple ground. of us, right? Well, yeah. You see, uh, he talks a lot about um, what's the one line that I really like from that song. I was hoping that this would be your honorable mention, but it's like, not. Uh, too bad. Um, I, um, I thought it was really cool to kind of cloak cloak uh, the financial positioning of the United States economy in this this song, and it, yeah. it's definitely. Like the lyrics are like the what would you say like the, the word symbolism the symbolism behind the lyrics are almost hard to read until you pay attention and know what he's talking about then you can definitely yes. pick up on it a lot. Um, I'm looking up the lyrics right now because there's there's one lyric that I really want to find that I really like. Uh, let me see here. Okay, here's a here's one of them that I really like. Um, oh, all of our working days are done, but a tiny few are having all of the fun. Yeah. Uh, then this, he says, "Get used to the dust in your lungs." Yes, that's that's uh, one of the last lyrics. Yeah, and he's talking the, about the young and the sick. Get yeah. used to the dust in your well, lungs. Well, no, one of the apologies to the sick and the young. Get used to the dust in your lungs. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's one other. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the lines is, "Make me a drink strong enough to wash away the dishwater world." They said was lemonade. <laughs> I like that. I that too. line. It was a good song, but not an honorable mention for me. Okay, that's that's the one I was hoping that was an honorable mention. But song number. Go s- on. Moving on to song number seven, which is called "For a Fool." Uh, the song was kind of like slower. Taking like, for musically, a fool. It's got a really spacey like Ooh. you feel like you're floating, like a spacey yep. feel to it. I would agree. Um. The guitar tones in the intro, I really like. Mm-hmm. They are drenched in verb. Yeah. Reverb, I guess I should say. Verb, they're drenched in um, verb. But I don't really care much for the song. It's, okay. It doesn't really... I, I, I get that. That's probably one of my least favorites on the album. Fair enough. Uh, on to the next song, which is called Fall of 82. Um, this, like, the feel of the song is odd and hard to describe. I don't mm-hmm. know how to explain, like, what the... 
the style is almost. It's, it's, yeah, well, it's, it's the shins. Very different, but it's unique. I'll say that. Um, it's a really cool song lyrically and what the subject matter is about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, into the past about James Mercer, his his dad was in the Air Force, so they moved around a lot. And when like he was the song 11 years... from Heartworms as well. Yes. Uh, uh, one of the really good songs from Heartworms. Yeah, my favorite um, song from Heartworms. Uh, but this song's about his family moving from Germany to Albuquerque when he was 11 years old, and huh. he was really depressed. The song on Heartworms is about him moving from somewhere to Germany. From, I think, like, England to Germany or something like that. Yeah. But this song, he's moving from Germany to Albuquerque, and he's really depressed. And so his older sister, who was, he said, like, 21, maybe 22 at the time, moved back home because she had a failed relationship. And she helped him out a lot. She knew he was going through a hard time, and she became a friend to him. And so all of 82. This song essentially is a big platform like a big platform for him to say thank you to his sister. Yeah. That's that's all it is and it's really kind of cool to, to yeah. like that's that's cool. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, if I was a huge like, like if our band was huge, I would I would go ahead and and say let's put our personal messages and thank yous and homages on our songs. Yeah. It's just cool that he did that. Yeah. Uh, but I don't recommend it oh, and it's not an honorable mention. So on to song number 9 which is called 40 Mark Strasse? Strasse. Strasse? Uh, that's probably the German reference. It is. Strasse which is a, a street reference German. to a, one of the roads in Germany where there was a lot of prostitutes. Mm. And they said that 40 German marks could get you anything you wanted. That's that's the uh, okay. connotation. Okay. What I read, at least. Uh, it's another slow song. Uh, it's kind of boring. Uh, but lyrically, it's, it's lyrically, about it's him. Very it's very interesting lyrically. It's about him trying to convince a young prostitute to turn away from her life of being a sex worker. Yeah. And probably failing an attempt. Yeah. Like, the, I think the end of the lyrics is, don't let those Americans put a dent in you. Yeah. Something about, don't let the American boys put a dent in you. So it's probably him being in Germany on, on a, a, a Air Force base, and the German guys maybe going and getting into some stuff they shouldn't get into. Getting into and ruining people's lives. Terrible behavior. So on to the last song of the album Port of Morrow, which is called... This must be your honorable mention. It's my honorable mention. It's a song called oh, Port of Morrow. Interesting. And like Simon and Garfunkel with Wednesday Morning 3 a.m., the title track comes at the very end. Oh, yeah, you're right. I remember you're on right. that episode we were saying how... how I don't think is. how I've, I know any other albums. Well, here you go. Here you this, go. this one. Um, the song's really... It's it's long. Not the longest song we've reviewed. It's it's about five True. and a half minutes long, but it's, it's long for a song. Yeah. Long for the shins. That's actually, that's a good point. That is a little bit longer than a normal Shin song. And the actual parts that have lyrics aren't very long. Uh, there's a lot of instrumentation, especially at the end. The outro's pretty long and then kind of drawn yeah. out. Um, it's got a, like a weird vibe to this song, and it almost sounds underwater. That's what I get mm. like from this song. Um, but the lyrics are really interesting and really dark. Uh, mm. I think it's about like the darkness of humanity and the inevitability of death. Yeah, uh, and I think he's talking about I don't want to tell this to my daughters, but I'm gonna to have to tell this to my daughters. Yeah, like interesting. explain things. Like at the very like one of the first verses, he talks about how he's gonna hide them from that. He's gonna hide his daughters from the the port of Morrow, which like the port of tomorrow, the inevitability of the port, death the and port, darkness, the port through which the the future guy comes. called the gatekeeper brings you along the river sticks. I can't remember the gatekeeper. To the underworld. But anyway, we're talking about Hades. Whatever he is. Into Hades, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's dark. Uh, there's some really cool lyrics and imagery in this song. Uh, one lyric I really, really like. He says, I saw a photograph, Cologne, in 27. And Cologne's a town in Germany. Yep. 
Clone. And then a postcard after the bombs in 45. So he's, he's seeing Cologne and his greatness in 1927. Yeah. And post-World War II when it was bombed to crap and it was yeah. like depleted. And then he goes on to say, Must have been a world of evil clowns that let it happen. But now I recognize, dear listeners, that you were there and so was I. Hmm. So he's saying... We look back on these terrible things and we think, there say, were, how could they do How that? could they do this? They were terrible. We're way better. But in, in actuality, reality. from the caveman times to the future, we are all capable of, of horrendous evil or, or dark acts. It's just a part of humanity. Yeah. And it's, it's not going anywhere. Reminds me of the uh, John Foreman song, um, Equally Skilled. Yeah, both hands these are equally hands, skilled at love are equally and hate. Skilled of yeah, love and destruction. Life and death. Life and death. Yeah. Creation and destruction. Yeah. So it's 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 a really dark song, but it's really cool and it's mm. it's well very well written. Um, Interesting. I don't really care. If, like it, it was weird because the core like the verse was falsetto range, and then mm. the chorus he did regular voice. But uh, enough about that. Um, overall, overall, it's a good album. Uh, I do I like Shoots Too Narrow and Heartworms better. Yeah, I think I like I think I like Heartworms the best. As I've been, <laughs> this boot is really you seriously just keep getting hit by the boot. <laughs> I uh, after having listened to Heartworms for a while, mm-hmm. um, I think I like that one the best. I think that or Shoots to Narrow is super good. I'd like to check out their first album and third album. Yeah, uh, which are what's the first album called? Oh, Inverted World. I'd like to listen to that and Wincing the Night Away, which is their third album. Yeah, just to kind of get a feel for it. Wincing the Night Away, you probably wouldn't like. It's a lot slower. That's okay. I can get used to slow things as long as it's got good lyrics and good uh, melodies. But we'll see. Yeah. James Mercer like has a lot of good melodies. Yeah. Um, um, I, I like this album a lot. It's it's good. I, I, I'd go back and listen to it again. Well, good. I did. I, when researching this album, however, I did kind of look into James Mercer's past mm-hmm. and the formation of The Shins. And he was in Albuquerque doing a, a bunch of different bands. And The Shins was like a side project. Yeah. It was yeah. like his, his like backup. His, uh, I think his... The band he was really trying to get going was like Lipstick something. It was not Lipstick. It was something else. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. But yeah, it was a but side he was in project. Another, and that ended up blowing up. He was, he ended up opening up for, um, what's the band that has Float On? Mo- Modest Mouse? He ended up opening for Modest Mouse before Modest Mouse was huge. Yeah. And they played uh, Shin's song. Like it was a bunch of Shin songs and then they ended up blowing up and getting signed. Huh. Interesting. And so, yeah, yeah, I, I knew that this that, that the Shins was a side project, and it ended up being huge. But yeah, look where it is now. But James huge. Mercer is a, a, a phenomenal. I I'll say he's a phenomenal poet, like the way he writes his words. He's a phenomenal songwriter and arranger. Yeah. Uh, because the way he puts together the songs, writes them, is great. Uh, he's great at writing a melody because they're infectious and they're just they're just great melodies. Yeah. And he's got a really good voice. Yeah. Um. So I I really like James Mercer a lot. Yeah. Same here. Uh, I can't believe we missed him twice in Nashville. I know. We, we're like, let's get it's tickets, so let's get sad. tickets, let's it's get tickets. So and then sad. we're like, all right, let's get tickets. Oh, the concert oh, already the happened. The concert already happened. Two yeah. times. Literally two times. I, I come tried. back to Nashville, James I, Mercer. Yeah, come back if you listen to this. <laughs> um, it's kind of funny. Anyways, uh, those were both great albums, in my opinion. I say so as well. Um, looking towards the future, I believe the next episode we're going to release will be a one off of what, do we, what should we do next? Uh, I think we were talking about doing Painkillers from Brian oh, yeah. Fallon. Uh, we're going to do Painkillers by Brian Fallon, so expect that next week. Yep. And then the following two weeks yep. are going to be back-to-back full episodes. We've got a new idea, a new special idea for kind of a two-parter episode. So it's going to be one episode that takes 
That should take up two hours, so we're going to make it over two episodes. So it's going to be two bands. I'm going to recommend one band for Jesse, but two albums from, from that the band. the same band. An early album and a later album to kind of contrast their, their beginnings and ends, and yeah. he's going to do the same for me. Yeah, so the whole idea about this, like Steve just said, is that it's to see the progression that a band takes. To maybe have the album where they first got really popular, and then after a few years, after how many, how many ever years, see the album that they like most recently or one of the ones that's very different from that beginning album so kind of a long-term study for us in terms of bands that we're not familiar with and hopefully it'll be a nice long-term listen for you guys as well yes it will be so uh what are you going to recommend for me to listen to well i'm going to recommend the artist uh bonnie ver and hmm <laughs> or as you would say bon iver oh bon iver why didn't you say yeah uh, so the first album that I'm going to have you listen to, it, uh, it was, it's so difficult for me to decide between these first two albums, um, because on the one hand, you have his first album, which is called Forema Forever Ago, uh-huh. um, which came out only like a year or two before the one that I think I'm going to recommend for you, um, but I believe the, the second, his, his second album, his self-titled one, the one that won all the Grammys, uh-huh. I think... That that one's better overall. Okay. Even though For Emma Forever Ago has uh, Skinny Love, which is probably his most popular song. Okay, fair All enough. Right. Fair enough. Um, so I'm going to recommend... I, I definitely... The only song I know by him <clears throat> is Skinny Love. Yeah. So at least so I know I'm, one song. Yeah, true. So for the first uh, part one of this two-parter, I'm going to recommend the self-titled album, Bon Iver, uh-huh. by Bon Iver. Okay. Or as you would say, I'm going to recommend Bon Iver by Bon Iver. Yeah, Bon Iver. Whatever. Um, and just so you know, Bon Iver means something in French. I think it means like Hello Winter or something like that. If you do a little bit of research about when he wrote this album, the yeah. album artwork will make more sense. And yeah, I'll, I'll well, what not. Anyway. You know I do my research for these episodes. You bro. do. You do. All right, so I'm going to go with uh, a, a band that I quite like a lot, mm-hmm. Against Me. I'm going to okay. go with their very first record, Against Me is Reinventing Axl Rose. I would title this album reinventing Axl Rose but the way they did their first two albums it, they would like have their band name and then is blah 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 or like just for example their second album is Against Me as the Eternal Cowboy okay so, so it's Against Me colon reinventing Axl Rose yes so okay. ju- we'll just call it reinventing Axl Rose okay and then 12 years later they released an album called Transgender Dysphoria Blues okay and I was debating whether I wanted to give you this one or the one that that uh, predated this but there's a very big change that happens between that album and this. True. In case you can't tell from the uh, the title of the album. Um, and even though I haven't listened to a bunch of their stuff, I do know what happened. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, on the album Reinventing Axl Rose, the lead singer and guitar player was named Tom Gable. Uh, he was a man. On Transven- uh, Transgender Dysphoria Blues, uh, he reinvented himself as Lord Jane Grace. Yep. Went through a big change. So... Uh, let's, we'll see how and that so, goes. Well, since you said your second album that you're recommending already, I'll tell you what I'm going to recommend. But since Bonnie Bear only has three albums. Go for it, yeah. Uh, it's his newest album, which came out in 2016, I believe. Um, but it's called, uh, 22 comma a million. And, uh, it's a, a, quite a big change from the first album, the self-titled album. And, um, well, I'll tell you more about it, um, in the weeks to come. So, that is what we're going to be doing for the next uh, couple episodes. 
Um, thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, Anything but, else to say about your beer? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I, was, mine, I was just mine, getting mine's still really good. Uh, just it, it hasn't really changed flavor wise that much. It's just really good. Uh, mine's gotten a lot better since it got warmer. Um, the the flavors come on much quicker than they did before. So I would say that this beer has gotten better as it's gotten warmer, which a beer should. That makes sense. Yeah, M- mine's mine really didn't change that much. It just stayed good the whole way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But let's give the uh, the old one two sign off and clink our glasses and drink our beers. Sounds good. <laughs> Once again, my name is Stephen Johnston, and my name is Jesse. A Titus. And this is American Bruce and Tunes. Tunes. Thanks again for listening. Here's a theme song. You know it's not a mean song. It's a good song. Just as it should song. American Bruce and Tunes. Shibbity beep a day.